Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Your preparation station with Donna Miller is on the air. Tune in for insight and encouragement for living a more sustainable, back-to-basics lifestyle. No matter where you've come from or what the future may hold, we hope each episode will encourage you with topics, guests and stories that inspire your journey towards self-sufficiency. And now, the hostess of your preparation station, Donna Miller. Thank you for tuning in to a new episode of Your Preparation Station. I'm glad to have you with us again this Thursday evening if you're listening live. If you're listening later, thank you for tuning in and picking up where you left off. If you've missed any of the earlier shows, just check the archives on blogtalkradio.com or Stitcher or iTunes. Just type in Your Preparation Station and you'll pull up all of the shows that have been going on, wow, since seven years maybe i think we're close on seven years i know some of my shows uh the back to basics kitchen has been going for at least seven years maybe eight so we've got a lot of shows there that you can pick up and hopefully learn some things and be encouraged and just realize you don't have to be uh specially gifted or raised a certain way to become more self-sufficient more back to basics um more self-reliant and work towards those goals and those dreams. Anybody can do it. All you need is the guts and the enjoyment and the passion to go forward, and you'll have a good time. So that brings me to my guest this evening, Um, which is always funny because I love stopping to record a show because part of me wishes I would quietly just record the beginning of when we first get on because we just now, my guest and I, we had a great time just visiting while I was setting up all this stuff, and you would have probably loved to listen in on this, because we've just had, um, just kind of had fun, because I've had a crazy afternoon, and um, she's been very gracious to be patient while I got all of my little snafu things happening fixed up here, um, but, you know, there's a lot that goes on in someone's everyday life that, you know, you're not really privy to. You maybe don't know that much about it. And that's why I'm enjoying being able to bring uh, my guest, uh, Leanne Edmondson, on today because she's written for the magazine. You maybe are aware of her blog, um, Homestead Dreamer, and her new book that's out, which is Aftermath, A Story of Survival. Um, it's It's a first of hopefully many books to come. So you might be aware of her from different realms, but you know, there's nothing like having a conversation with somebody to really get to know them. So that's why I'm excited to have her on today. I want to check and make sure that we have a good connection. Leanne, can you hear me all right? Oh, yes. Hi. Awesome. Hey, we're doing, we're doing good. No, no blips or anything so far. Um, So far, so good. I know. Now, Leanne lives in Southeast Alaska, and she has um, the dream to own her own land, live a self-sufficient and self-sustainable lifestyle as much as possible. Um, You can type in Homestead Dreamer on Facebook, right, and find you? Absolutely, yes. Okay. And in Pinterest, it's the same thing? Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, and I'm going to give out a verbal of your website for your blog, which is homesteaddreamer.com, in case somebody's listening, not in front of their computer, but if you are in front of your computer, uh, you can click through. We'll have all of Leanne's links there, where to find her book, where to find what she's up to, so that you can connect um, with someone who has, okay, for lack of a better word, burned through the ranks of being a (laughs) contributor with Prepare Magazine. You are a prolific writer, and you do really great work. You, Thank you. Thank you. I love writing for the magazine. You have. It's like, boom, she's just working her way up the ranks. She, you've, you've contributed at least 12 articles so far yes. since you started. You haven't even been writing for us for more than um, a full year. Um, <laughs> so that's, you know, you're, you're averaging more than an article a month. So you're really cranking them out. And I know we're not all you write for. You write for your blog. You write a lot of other articles out there. And of course you have a book. So 
all this is just kind of pouring out of you. So before we, <laughs> yeah, before we overflow and inundate everybody with all that you do, let's um let's introduce everybody to you a little bit better. How on earth did you get started? Because people don't usually just like aren't born <laughs> in right. a self-sufficient <laughs> mind band. And I mean, they may be raised that way, but very few are born like that. So how did you get started, Leanne? Well, it's, it's a two-part story. So living in southeast Alaska, I live on, uh, in, in the town of Ketchikan, Alaska. Um, it's called the first city because it's the first port that you come to when you're on a cruise ship. Gotcha. <laughs> it's the southernmost city is, is why it's called the first city of, Ketch, uh, first city of Alaska. But um, so we're, we are completely and utterly reliant upon containers on barges for all of our supplies. So when I was a kid, you know, I mean, if a week was skipped due to weather coming from Seattle, well, you better hope you have some extra on hand. And I remember growing up, Grandma always had a little shed built out back, and she would, you know, stuff would go on sale. She'd buy a case of olives or a case of tomato, diced tomatoes, you know. I largely grew up on canned food. Um, of course, we live right at sea level. We're also another nickname for where I'm from is the salmon capital of the world. We have five different spe- species of salmon that run through here, and uh, I've grown up my whole life eating halibut and, mm-hmm. you know, that kind of thing. I mean, there's shrimp out there and crab and you name it. So um, there was a lot of smoking of fish and canning it growing up. So I was kind of exposed to the, at least the idea of you've always got a little set back because you just never know. Mm-hmm. And that was normal, but it didn't kick into gear until about three years ago, a little over three years ago, I, uh, I went into Walmart here. We actually have a Walmart. Um, the population of the island, just real quick for the, for the people who are not familiar with Southeast Alaska, the population here is about 14,000 on the island. The climate is a temperate rainforest. We average 13 feet of rain a year. Mm. Um, it's just like Seattle, but it rains even more. Green <laughs> year-round, it's, it's very, very mild. Um, actually, where I used to live in Missouri, saw far more snow and much colder temperatures in the winter than wow. where I do here. The Japanese current comes up and around, and it curves right in the right spot, keeps it very mild here. A lot of people say it's kind of like Maine as well, where it's green year-round and it's very rugged and wild. And, and uh, it's, you know, I live in the middle of a national rainforest. So <laughs> Nice. Yeah, yeah, it's great. So I went into Walmart one day, and uh, they were completely and utterly out of toilet paper. <laughs> and I mean... They were out of everything from the cheapest one-ply all the way up to the most expensive holy grail of toilet papers, (laughs) baby wipes, everything, because the container that held their restock did not make the barge. People panicked. That is a panic thing for a lot of people. Yeah, they lost their minds. So so people started hoarding toilet paper. It went across, you know, (laughs) I mean, it, all of the grocery stores, you know, Safeway and then the local grocery stores and everything, yeah, it, it took them three weeks to get back to their normal cycle. And it just made me realize what would happen if the supply chain broke. It doesn't even have to be anything that directly affects us here. It has to be something that would happen in the lower 48, let's say Mount St. Helens Blue, really big again or something, right? Yeah. Okay, so that blows and everything comes to a screeching halt. Trucks stop moving, barges stop going. We don't see a barge for how long? And it made me realize that our entire existence is reliant upon those silly barges and the, con- the supplies within them. You know what I mean? We have stuff that comes up on the ferry as well. There's the Alaska State Ferry. It goes down to Bellingham all the way through the entire coastal areas of the state of Alaska, excuse me, and um, of course there's the airplanes that bring in medicine and whatnot. So, okay, now all of a sudden the planes aren't flying because Mm. there's too much ash and we don't get our medicine. Oh, so, you know, and we would be stuck here, 14,000 souls with no way to get off the island. 
there's no road. Our airport is on another island across the bay. It's a little like not even a five-hour or a five-minute rather ferry ride across the bay, but it's on another island. <laughs> so uh. I know, right? So that <laughs> was my big scary. eye opener. That is kind that of scary. That was my big eye opener. Yeah. And um, so I just decided, you know, I turned to my husband. Actually, we were watching The Colony. I don't know if you ever followed that, but there was a, they only had two seasons of it, and I believe it was on, it was either Discovery or History, but um, it was all these people put in a post-apocalyptic type situation, and we were just looking at them going, you don't know how to start a fire. What is wrong with you? You know, that's not how you make a cooking fire because a heat fire is different from a cooking fire. We mm-hmm. grew up with that. So we just decided to become more self-reliant. I decided, you know what, I'm tired of paying these prices at the grocery store. We touched on that earlier. Three ninety nine, people, Three ninety nine on <laughs> sale for tomatoes on the vine. That's on sale. Gosh. So. Very expensive, yes. It's it's much cheaper to grow your own, and plus you regain control over not just your food source, but how that food source is grown and handled and processed. So along with the gardening, I had to learn how to process food and preserve that harvest. And so, yay for YouTube and, you know, all <laughs> yeah. of the wonderful sites out there. So I, I taught myself, we have taught ourselves as much as we can, and it's never-ending process, and we take a lot of joy out of it. Oh, yeah. You know, oh, what a perfect excuse to go for a three-mile hike. Let's go test out our little Kelly kettle. <laughs> you know? Cool, yeah, 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 exactly. Well, that's kind of interesting because, you know, people on, I guess, the the lower 48, the continental U.S., that are all kind of connected, and they have the truck routes, and they have the, you know, it's all, mm-hmm. it's all reliant on, you know, if one truck doesn't make it, maybe another one might. You have multitudes of attempts. But you guys have a thinner, <laughs> a thinner pipeline, a thinner lifeline to supply oh, yeah. than oh, yeah. the, 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 the intricate interstates and all the you know back roads or whatever you know if a bridge goes out big deal someone can find another bridge not so with what you're dealing with no no um it is a 30 36 or 38 hour ferry ride from here to bellingham washington um we are actually extremely close it's about a two-hour skiff ride to get to canadian waters from where we are very Mm -hmm. very close we're right smack up against british columbia um and there is a ferry that runs to Prince Rupert, British Columbia, um, and it's about a five-hour ferry ride. So that is the closest road, is, is a five-hour ferry ride away to wow. the mainland. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that's, that's to jump into a, a, you know, trying to find another source. You're not driving just 20 minutes to a different Walmart. Right. Yeah, yeah, that doesn't exist here. You know? Gosh, so that and and weird. our Walmart is so small that it would fit inside our Walmart and parking lot would fit inside of a super Walmart. Not oh, really? even exaggerating at all. It's so tiny. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. So that's kind of what made you go. Hmm. We need to go a little more than just putting back some. What What you do from like. Did you panic? Did you just quietly go, yeah, i got to change some stuff? How did you, how'd you approach it? Well, <laughs> at the time I was still in, I was just finishing up my, my two degrees in college. I have two little associate's degrees. And, and um, my whole world had revolved around deadlines and homework assignments, you know, mm-hmm. that I was needing something to kind of fill it anyway. So I just went into research mode. And I decided to research, and I said, you know, okay, we need to put some stuff away. You know, rice is cheap, even here compared to most everything else. Rice is cheap. (laughs) So you get your rice, and you get your Mylar bags, and it's so simple. Everybody can do it. And, you know, you just take the right steps. It might take you a day, and, yeah, sure, it's a few extra bucks, so quit drinking lattes for a week. You got enough money to be able to put away 20 pounds of rice in four little mylar bags and uh and and you put it into a bucket with a gamma seal lid and you put it away for 15 years when the time's up cycle it into your regular food i mean you know it's just it's you got to learn 
the cycle and then jump in and you just keep building on it and building on it and all it takes is one little tiny step like when i started growing food i actually started with basil because we love basil mm-hmm. and so and basil is expensive here a little four ounce thing of mccormick basil is like 650 oh, so <laughs> how many seed packets can you buy for that so <laughs> So I started growing my own basil, and then I learned about dehydrating. And, you know, it all just builds on itself. You're, you're weaving, I like to say, you're weaving yourself a new tapestry or you're weaving yourself a new blanket, and that blanket is going to keep you warm when it gets cold and times get tough. Yeah, yeah. It's, That's it's a another very good form point. of insurance. I just really looked at it as, hey, this is an insurance policy, and I'm the insurance policy writer, and, hey, I want to have this and this and this. And you don't just go out there and buy a whole bunch of stuff. Take it a little step at a time, you know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And fear can really overwhelm somebody. Oh. And they just go and spend more money on something they didn't really need. Well, and then go, did. well, shoot, yeah. I should have taken this a little bit at a time. Yes. Yeah. I, I actually write about that on the blog. I, um, you know... Be careful of the fear-mongering. It's so easy to get overwhelmed by all of this because once you start the researching, you get a voracious appetite. And it's easy to work yourself up. But, Mm -hmm. you know, once you get that first bit of food or what have you put away, once you've taken that first step, you are that much better off in not only terms of supplies, but your mentality. Your whole mind is changing, and that's where it really happens. In the end, it's not what you have so much as what you know that's going to see you through. So, you know, you're training your mind as well. At any time. I mean, it can go, it can Mm -hmm. get get soaked, it could burn up, it could get stolen. The have can disappear, but what what the skills you possess and the the mental know-how and the guts to go through with it, no one can take any of that stuff from you. So, exactly. Yeah. yeah, it's funny. I the fear mongering that is something I started preaching probably <laughs> seven years ago. It was always if you go back to some of my old shows, that was like the first five minute spiel was look. If you get on a website and someone's freaking you out, if they're just pushing all your panic buttons, how about just not listening to them? You can find someone who will give you the right info without saying if you don't buy my product, you're gonna be dead. If you don't. You know, if you don't do it exactly my way, you'll never make it. Because those are yes. not real claims. Those are, those are marketing ploys, people. Um, yes, they are. Sorry. And that's one reason that the, the whole magazine came out uh, four years ago. We were just sick and tired of hearing mm-hmm. that, that, you know, do it my way or die and buy my product, you'll never make it. And, <laughs> you know, you're a moron if you don't do it exactly like this. Really? Yes. Really? You know... Yeah. I just, I just could never. I, I just constantly warn people: don't check your brain at the door just because you're looking for information. Right. What someone says may be great for them, but if it does not fit your budget, your lifestyle, your your morals, your ethics, just you know, glean out what might be good, or just walk away. Especially if you feel like you're all getting tense and freaked out by what they're saying. Answers. Um, it's probably highly likely they're trying to tell you something at the end of it. That's what yes, they're probably they're doing. Yes, they're trying to scare you, so and then they'll turn around and say, "But this will make it go away. <laughs> yeah. Act now." Yes. So, but wait, there's yeah. more. Yeah, absolutely. And that's one of the reasons, honestly, you know, that I decided I wanted to write for the magazine because of that message. Because it was, hey, stuff happens. Here's here's some information to arm yourself with, you know, and integrate it into your lifestyle with what fits you. <clears throat> and, you know, good luck. Come yeah, back if well, you want some more info. Yeah, I mean, there was no fear-mongering at all, and uh, I I carry the torch on it, too. Yeah, I really does. have a hard time with it. It actually ticks me off. That and not being able to find a real person behind some monster giant website mm-hmm. irritates the daylights out of me. Because first off, what am I doing? I'm interviewing people that have good contact. I want, I want, to, I want to connect with people that encourage somebody, or they have really good content, or they're educating, or, and then I find out, well, there's not a real person behind that website. Uh-huh. 
they just have pulled in stuff from everywhere, and they're just really putting a lot of banner ads out, and they're making money off of really everybody else's work. And that upsets me. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. kind of, if you're not going to stand up for what you're preaching about and saying, hey, you can do this because I did, if you're not going to encourage people with, with some real stock of what your life is like, you're selling snake oil, really. <laughs> yes, so, you are. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, I know I know there are people behind some really big prepping type websites that are sitting in their condo, hadn't prepped a day in their life. But yep. they've they've got a team and you can't get any one of them to, to stand up and answer for it, like what they're doing. Sorry, I sound really negative. But the the truth <laughs> is I think people need to be aware that it's out there and they just need to, to connect. Well part of the biggest thing well, the biggest thing, I mean, that goes back to the fundamental, one of the fundamental reasons of why we prepare. It's so that we're not a victim. Don't let yourself be a victim to the fear-mongering sites that want to sell you the miracle cure. Yeah. You know, don't, that's, and I, people, well, the sites like that, they, it, they're exploiting it. Yes. And, you They know, found a niche. I, yeah. They, and they they just, you know, they, they haven't they haven't had the light bulbs go on themselves, but they found a good niche. And I think people <clears throat> I I would give people who are interested in being self-sustaining and preparedness minded the props to say you guys are smart enough to start to figure out this. And I think they are um I think 7 years ago it might have not been as easy to differentiate between ooh, that's a marketer and this is a this is a person who walks to talk. Um you know, I'm not saying not making a living off of your passion, uh, that would be hypocritical. Right. But, but I think that, that people need to be able to, to find the real person behind that, find out the history. That's one reason I love getting the authors like yourself on the radio. Because, <laughs> hey, there's a voice, not just a picture, not just words. There's a real person. Uh, and if you asked me to be able to connect with this person, I could actually do it, you know. Right, and, and they probably would Andy up to connect with you as well. So I know, you know, it, it's it gives me that ability to sleep well at night to say I know the people who write for the magazine. I know the people because I can, I can yeah. listen to the passion behind what they're saying and writing. So, um, well, we you know we went down a bunny trail, but that's going to happen. Um, yes. <laughs> If they could have only heard the first part before we recorded. Um, (laughs) (laughs) We're going to take a break, and we are going to listen to sponsors uh, of the show. Um, And again, I vouch for the sponsors. One of them, of course, is the magazine. Um, But we're going to come back and talk with Leanne. She's had a couple new things happen in her life recently. They're sending her even further down the the trail of uh, being more self-sufficient. And I want her to be able to share that with you guys. Um, In a lot of ways to encourage you, if you're kind of waiting for something, she's going to encourage you on some steps she took before all the things started to open up and um, kind of some new things that she's had unfold. So we'll be back in just a second, Leanne. National Geographic traveled all the way to Boone, North Carolina to select Turtle Island Preserve, a nonprofit outdoor discovery center and Appalachian Heritage Farm as one of the 100 most enriching destinations in North America. For over 26 years, families have gained enrichment while discovering nature, and more importantly, themselves. In a world where digital screens and push buttons have replaced actual contact with nature, Turtle Island's beautiful campus and knowledgeable staff reconnect its guests to their natural roots. While camping out, visitors learn vast amounts in our non-electric, wood-fired community. Hundreds of hands-on classes are offered, such as beekeeping, woodworking, primitive skills, and more, covering the gamut of early traditional living. A program for fathers and sons kicks off the summer season, followed by a five-day workshop for adults with renowned naturalist and director Eustace Conway. Turtle Island is a great destination for scouts, school field trips, homeschool, and special interest groups. Please visit our website and then visit our paradise, turtleislandpreserve.org, or call 828-265-2267. Your preparation station is on the air. All right. Well, thank you for staying tuned. <clears throat> and it's kind of where we ended 
uh, the first part of talking about uh, people trying to market and then we have an advertisement. But the truth is, um, I think the, the advertisers that we are allowing to be on, some of which are authors that write for the magazine, so we know them, others of which are people like Turtle Island Preserve. Um, we do a PSA for them because we believe in how Eustace Conway and everyone there walks the talk. He and everyone there loves to see people connect with the ancient ways of our ancestors, ways that have been gone away um, due to convenience and that we really need to connect with more for being self-sufficient. So please uh, make sure when you do investigate a quote-unquote advertisement, either in the magazine or on the show or anything that we recommend, um, it's because we've kind of done our due diligence to know there's depth to what's being offered for you. Not just for them, but for you as well if you're listening or reading. All right. Uh, well, Leanne, we we can... We got on our soapbox, and now we're kind of going to get off for a minute. Um, we're going <laughs> to, of course, I step up and down on the, that thing a lot. I tend to <laughs> run really hot and, on certain topics. But you have just recently moved from just dreaming about a homestead and doing some really creative things we talked about before recording um, to now you have a home that has a tad bit more property than you did before. So tell everybody the shift of what you were doing and kind of then now what you're into. Okay, so when when I woke up and realized that <laughs> we're in, you know, the supply chain, especially here, is extremely fragile, um, and that I needed to I needed to learn how to provide for myself and my family much better than what I was doing. <clears throat> I, um, I ironically enough was renting an apartment in an old dairy barn at the old homestead here on the island. <laughs> and um, I, I was very lucky, and the landlord allowed me a little bit of space to build some cold frames, started with the cold frames, mm-hmm. and then a little greenhouse that was oh, ramshackle and adorable. Loved every bent nail on that thing. Because <laughs> my husband and I did it together. He actually proposed to me in the greenhouse. So, aw. Awesome. But, awesome. Yeah, I know, it was really cool. <laughs> like, oh, good form, sir. Yeah. So um, we had about 200 square feet. Okay, that is hardly anything. That's the size of people's balconies. I mean, it's yeah. it's a small space, and yet we managed to grow um, because of the move. And when it was timed, we've been in the new place about a month now. Um, I actually had to pull a lot of food early. So, but we did end up with 20 to 25 pounds of carrots. We grow Danver half longs. Um, they do very well in our climate, which is 7B, if anybody's curious about that. Um, you know, 15 pounds of potatoes, and, and we were talking about the potatoes. Uh, we have two large dogs, our little homestead pups, and uh, so we get the large bags of dog food, and we decided to save some of those large bags. I, you know, how, how can I use this? And we used them to grow potatoes, and we did very well. We got about 15 pounds out of the three bags, and we also had some plants, you know, in traditional raised bed and everything, and those gave us a, a few more pounds. But uh, overall, it did really, really well, um, and I recommend it. I mean, they could have been used the next year. We ended up tossing them. Um, because uh, we were moving, and the new place that we have is a duplex. It's on a third of an acre, which, I mean, I have read plenty of articles of people who have grown literal tons of food on a tenth of an acre. That just mm-hmm. blows me away. So I have high hopes. Um, you know, we have to start all over again, but I was lucky that I was in a spot where I could have a little garden, and I knew when, I, when we were doing it that it was the practice garden. This is where I'm going to go to hopefully make a lot of my newbie mistakes and really learn, and, you know, hopefully I get something out of it every year, which I'm happy to say we did. We mm-hmm. had a, a good, you know, the very first harvest was the best. Of course, it was all super fresh dirt and everything, and I learned a lot about soil. <laughs> Let's just say that. <laughs> but... uh you know, now we're able to do it again. We have more room, and it's truly amazing at what you can grow in a simple little 8-foot long by 2-foot wide and 12-inch deep cold frame. Yeah. Um, I've got an article about cold frame gardening on the website, and I highly encourage people, if you have a little space, 
that can you could put a box in with a, a cute little lid. It, they, they hardly cost anything in materials. They will last you for years. And, and they're wonderful. They also extend your, your growing season. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, that's, that's the first thing we're going to be putting out here. You know, I, we've got some rock fill that we need to get ordered and put in, and it's going to be a little while for that. So we're starting with a cool frame. And, you know, a friend of mine here did um, a huge garden on her 180-square-foot little balcony. Um, it was all in containers, five-gallon buckets and whatnot, and, you know, vertical gardening. And the amount of food Ooh. she got out of it was phenomenal. So... Even if you have a window that sun comes in, you can grow something. You can grow basil. You can grow – It's don't yeah. limit yourself. You know, that's my biggest message I guess I'm trying to get here is don't limit yourself. Part of having the homestead mentality is like, okay, well, I can't do it this way. How can I do it? And that's part of the fun. You feel like a rock star when you figure it out, you know? <laughs> So, oh yeah, yeah. I mean, when, there's no. Um, I, I, Thomas Edison has a great quote, you know, um, and I'm going to butcher it, but it's something to the effect of, you know, genius is one percent inspiration, ninety nine percent perspiration. Where you really, you just got to work at it. Got to try a new thing. That didn't work. All right, try a new one. Try a new one. Try a new one. It's just. There's no one way that it's always going to work for every single person mm-hmm. when it comes to how you're living. So, what would you say to somebody who is stuck in an apartment, so to speak, and they just, well, I'm not going to do anything because that's all I've got? <clears throat> um, what would I say to them? Yeah. Well, I would ask them, why? Why are you denying yourself? If you've got the desire to do it, why are you denying yourself? No, nothing else and nobody else is holding you back. Why are you doing that to yourself? Why not grant yourself the gift and say, no, I am going to do this. Mm-hmm. You know, put a seed in some dirt and give it some water and put it in the windowsill and poof, before you know it, you've got a little sprout. And then look at what you did six months later. It's a big, beautiful plant. It's it's not complicated. And, and I think that a lot of people believe that it is. <clears throat> yeah, Excuse me. I agree. I, that is another one of the biggest things I try to teach people is, you know, I taught myself how to pressure can and smoke fish and cheese and mm-hmm. um, make jams and jellies and dehydrate and all of these things, and absolutely none of it is difficult. None of it is hard. It's a little time-consuming until you've done it a few times. Then you get into a rhythm, and it's just like anything else. Yeah. You know, I make fresh crackers in 20 minutes. The first time I made it, it took me about 40. <laughs> but now I've done it so many times that I can make fresh garlic crackers or oregano crackers or whatever, you know, in 20 minutes. And it's okay. so easy. And I did it myself. I know how it was made. I ground the flour, you know, from wheat berries. And yep. Easy, easy. And you know what's in there, so... And it's suited perfectly to my taste. I mean, yep, come on, exactly. custom food. <laughs> yeah. There's, there's nothing better for the self-sustaining or self-reliant to say, hey, this fits me. It may not fit everybody else. It's my family. We're the ones doing it this way. And that's, you know, and if, if someone can learn from you that tweaking and that, you know, maybe not following the recipe exactly because it doesn't uh-huh. work for their family. My kids joke all the time that I have never followed a recipe exactly. <laughs> Ever every oh, recipe that parenting. <laughs> every recipe that comes in front of me is go. Oh, I can do this different. I can do this better. I can do this how my family will actually eat it. Mm-hmm. And then the worst part is though is I always forget to write it down because oh this is perfect. What'd you do different? Oh my gosh, yes. <laughs> um, I can't remember because you I just, don't measure. Mm-mm, mm-mm. Yeah. No, or or whatever was in the recipe, I don't have it on hand, so I made up a substitute. You know, right? That's that's one of those other keys for you know living self sustaining. Oh, really? You don't have shortening coconut oil? Great, works perfect. You know, right. it, it, so it, it is it is something that comes with time. You do, like you said, in the beginning, it might seem like it's really time consuming, and, and you're exactly right. It that may be the only drawback, but you had a great point. Why are you denying yourself? There is so much more fulfillment by being self-proficient, you know, 
versus relying on consumering, being a consumer, 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 but to actually, you know, like make it yourself. That is such a fulfilling thing. Why are you denying yourself of that just because you have square footage that might be smaller than somebody else's? Right. Great point. You know, I, I actually just uh, wrote something that kind of goes along with it. Um, <laughs> it has to do with... Uh, what the modern world, you know, the modern world, it gives us machines to do the washing, grocery stores to buy whatever we want or need, and living accommodations close to do said shopping and washing, <laughs> you know. Yeah. But it doesn't reward you and uplift you quite like homesteading can, you know. That rush of victory when something you improvise actually works. I mean, that that is, you know, I am a genius, and <laughs> you... You can't get that off of living solely in the modern world with all of its electronics. Now, I am not anti-electronic at all. I I work in an IT department for a school district, so I'm definitely <laughs> yeah. not anti-IT. But oh, you just you there comes a time where you just can't fulfill what you really need on a cellular level from electronics. Right. You know. Um, and you certainly don't get happy little views like going into your pantry and you've got all these brightly colored jars of food that you grew and preserved and it's, you know, it's February and it's brutally cold outside and you're eating blueberry preserves that you went and picked. Right. You right. know, so, I mean, there's, there's just no comparison. There's no fulfillment you can get quite like that. Mm-hmm. And I think that humans are hardwired for it, honestly. I think you're right. I mean, not to mention the creativity aspect of it, that we were, we're, we're designed to be creative. In what, nobody is uncreative. They're just creative in different forms. They're, you're just kind of mm-hmm. built to be, look what I've done. You know, you're, you're, <laughs> yes. you're built like that. And so, you know, whether it's creative in I'm, I'm way organized, which, oh, okay, that's not me. That's my daughter. She is extremely organized. And I, I stand amazed at how efficient she is sometimes. I'm not so much. But to me, that's just as creative as, as one of my other daughters who is an artist. You know, this, it, to me, they're equally creative. I'm creative maybe in the kitchen or in other areas. So we're all bent toward creativity, and it is something that kind of, you know, jazzes you and makes you go, ah, I've got some fulfillment now. I'll do it again, and I'll do it in yes. a bigger scale, or I'll do it in a different direction, or I'll tweak this and, and enjoy that process. So I, I love your encouragement for that. I think that's that's cool. Speaking of creativity, you have recently, um, I'm losing track of my months, but when did your book release? When did Aftermath come out? Aftermath actually released, um, the original release was in December of last year, but I was reading it and I noticed some typos and some things that needed to be smoothed out, so I actually re-released it uh, I believe it was toward the end of January. <clears throat> Excuse me. But, um, yeah, so it's been out for less than a year now. Yep, yeah, and, year. and it's a fictional story, right? And you have it is. new um, installments coming and, and such? Well, it's, it's very interesting how the book came to be. Um, the story of how the book was written. Um, I wrote for another blog called TinHatRanch.com. I very highly recommend him excellent information and no fear mongering well he started writing this little weekly serial story you know kind of like the radio or or if you know this is dating me but the old choose your own adventure books it was kind of like that where he would write a little bit excuse me and uh, people then would vote on what happens next the main character's name jimmy walker was voted on by the readers well he only wrote like five or six episodes and of course i loved it um, and then his schedule got kind of wonky, and I said, hey, let me write a week, you know, and so he let me, and I thoroughly enjoyed the experience, and then I just asked him, hey, can I just take this over? So I wrote about 90% of what turned into the book Aftermath. I would write a section, and people would vote on what happens next, and then you weave it in to the next week, and so on and so forth, and mm-hmm. it was truthfully, it was the encouragement of the readers that made me decide to edit it and put it into a book, and I am forever eternally grateful to them for that encouragement because what an experience 
experience it's been. It's so much fun, and um, I they were screaming for a second book, so I went through and I did another. Um, I, I, I brought the serial over to my website, Homestead Dreamer, and uh, wrote volume two, which the tentative title is Aftermath, the Story of Independence. It, it focuses on this group of people that have banded together um, their first winter after it happens. Mm. So, um, cool. you know, there's, there's no electricity, there's no infrastructure, and, uh, you know, it, nobody's had to live like that in a very long time through a winter. <laughs> so it's, you know, they, they have some trials and tribulations, let me tell you. <laughs> but uh, really fun, and I actually will be writing a, a third book, probably starting that weekly serial, uh, because it's just way too much fun to do it that way. I love, love, love the interaction with people. That is um, just the coolest, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, um, probably starting in January is when I'll do the third one. I'm I'm still okay. editing book two and hope to have that out published within the next month or two. So for new people to go across to Homestead Dreamer at your blog, we'll add some new, infuse some new um, votes and ideas for your next yes, book. Yes, yes. The best okay. thing to do would be to uh, sign up for the newsletter because mm-hmm. I'll let you know when book three's voting and, and you know, weekly serial will start up and everything so then you can keep abreast of that and that get so in cool. on the votes yeah i love that because that kind of gives you that that a vested interest in each book that comes out because you were you either voted and and it didn't turn the way you wanted to vote so you still want to see what happened anyway um right. you know <laughs> or or you you voted and that you you took the vote because it was the higher vote or, or the the great suggestion and it's great because there's so many different directions something can go after that. So that is just yeah. so cool. I love yeah, that. Yeah, I, I even let people put their own suggestions in. My two or three suggestions are not always what happens. Somebody else, a fan, will say, no, what about this? And then there's that one gets the most votes. And I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, well, I wasn't expecting the story to go that way, but here we go. And I weave awesome. it in. So it's a challenge for me, too. And it's just it's a unique experience. That is so cool. I love hearing how that happened that way. That's I didn't know that. I was unaware of that. I, I kind of I think we kind of connected first when your book was coming out. So I was following along. Okay, cool. This is really cool. But the history of that is so awesome. Uh, and the way the next ones are coming out, that is just really nifty. I like that. That is Thank very community minded, but also ties everybody in. Just kind of waiting to see, you know, what the next turn. That is really yeah. awesome. Mm-hmm. That's cool. Well, we're going to take another quick break, and I want to come back and, and kind of hear from you kind of what you what you're, you know, I hate to say this, but I, I like to ask people, what do they see coming down the pike? What do they want to encourage people to do? What do you have on your heart that's coming for the future that you're working on? So that's kind of what I want to talk about in the next section. So um, if you'll let me take a break, we'll be right back. Here's how you can save $10 on the mill of your choice. Go to millersgrainhouse.com forward slash store and use the promo code radio at checkout. That's R-A-D-I-O at checkout. Or you can call 828-536-4988 during weekday business hours and get the same savings by phone. Either way, your order is shipped to your door without shipping charges. Remember, you can go to millersgrainhouse.com forward slash store or call 828-536-4988 and use the promo code RADIO. Are you looking to have ducks, geese, chickens? Boy, do we have something to share with you. Stop by ranch-coop.com. These folks build some of the most beautiful handcrafted coops for small areas as well as the farm. They are so easy to put together. It took us less than an hour and they're shipped right to your door. Stop by ranch-coop.com. Wonderful people to deal with. Beautiful coops that you can use for backyard and homestead fowl. Ranch-coop.com. 
Do you have your free digital subscription to Prepare Magazine yet? If not, then hurry over to preparemag.com and start getting each monthly issue sent directly to your inbox. It's easy. All you have to do is go to preparemag.com, enter your name and email address, and you're subscribed. Consider signing up for the premium membership for past issues and exclusive resources. You can even subscribe to the beautiful print version of Prepare Magazine. Visit preparemag.com and choose the option that's most valuable to you. Prepare Magazine, encouraging, empowering, and enriching your journey. Your preparation station is on the air. Thank you folks for staying through and to the very last section of our interview here with Leanne Edmondson, homesteaddreamer.com is her blog. You can go over there and connect and get, like she just recently suggested before the break, sign up for the newsletter, kind of get in on helping her write the next installment for Aftermath. And if you didn't hear the the websites before, it's homesteaddreamer.com is the blog. You can type in Homestead Dreamer into Facebook and find her Facebook page. She's got so much going on there. And, of course, she also has on Pinterest, but it's a little bit different. It, it's AK for Alaska, Homestead Dree, and it stops, no M, D-R-E-A. <laughs> That's where you find her. I know, love Pinterest, how it chops it off to where you can only put in X number of letters. It does the same thing to our stuff. Um but you can definitely find her there as well and, and kind of keep up with everything that she's got going on. And, of course, um, read her wonderful articles in the magazine. And that way you can get a nice, well-rounded picture of who it is that's speaking into your life. Part of the spiel I used to always start with is really kind of get to know that person because you'll know whether or not their best interest at, at heart is for you or for their wallet. And I can definitely say, Leanne, She's just pouring out more and more stuff because she's very passionate about it. She had the light bulb go on. Her eyes were open. She woke up and she went, gosh, I'm not the only one that needs this. And instead of just hoarding it all in because she found it important for her, she's sharing it with everybody else. That's one thing I love about um, really every contributor we've got in the magazine has that same genuine desire to see more people well-prepared because that way there are less people who are panicked. Um, and it just goes better for everybody. So Leanne's no exception to that rule. I love how she has so much to encourage. She's written uh, guest blog posts for our blog on the magazine. She's written for, her, of course, her own and many other blogs. And I think you'll be very encouraged if you can connect with all of the different things she's involved in. So Leanne, before we you know tie up the last little bit, no more commercial interruptions of the show, um, what else has been going on? I mean, you've had a lot going on. This is a busy year for you. Um, that's kind of pushing you towards different things for the future. What's, what have you got on your docket? Well, let's see. On the docket, um, you know, the ultimate dream is to have a, a bigger spread, you know, a, a spot where we can truly have the space to grow all of the food, you know, get some chickens and stuff like that and, and just diversify the homestead and, and the resources we have to draw from. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, the, the buying of this duplex is, is really a stepping stone um, to the, the ultimate dream, which is we, we want to be even more rural. <laughs> we want yep. to move over to Prince of Wales Island. Um, it's the third or fourth largest island in the United States. Um, it has hundreds and hundreds of miles of road, whereas from one side of the island here to the other is 32 miles. So there uh-huh. are logging roads and whatnot, but the main drag is 32 miles. So, But um, it's, it's less populated and more rural. There is fantastic deer hunting over there. Um, and, and it just gives more freedoms. So uh, what we want to do, you know, is, of course, get things in place here uh, at the duplex to, you know, just kind of propel things and get systems set in place to where it's almost kind of an ace in the hole, you know. If we mm-hmm. have to, for some reason, come back here, um, there are better medical facilities here than there are over there. They don't have a full-fledged hospital over there, but they have several larger clinics. Um, you know, you got to think of the future, of course, so... Um, there would still be the gardens and whatnot here. So, um, you know, another thing that's really weighing heavy on me is getting a little more, 
I don't know. I, I guess survivalistic would be the the word, for lack of a better term. Mm-hmm. A, a little more rugged, a little, you know, I have, okay, I've got a knife. What can I do? Can I go out there and, and really build that little shelter? So increasing skills. It's all about increasing skills. And I know that, you know, it takes a village. No one person yeah. can do everything. That Anybody who says otherwise is blowing smoke they just it's no one person can do it so the biggest thing that i really want to encourage and i'm getting ready to turn the blog in that direction is you know find one thing just one thing you really really like if you love to grow herbs you like to grow oregano and basil and stuff like make that your thing Make yeah. that what you're known for. Get really, really good at it. Because then, let's say you have a bumper crop on oregano. Well, you could turn around and you could trade that dried oregano with somebody over here who got a whole bunch of fish. Well, you didn't have to go out and get that fish. You were just doing your oregano thing. So, you know, network. Network yes. with people. That is where the power truly lies. You can't be a lone wolf in a, in a survival situation. So, you know, getting your house in order, of course, is the first thing. You know, make sure you got some food and water mm-hmm. stored and way to stay warm and everything. But then network, because the strength really is in numbers. And, and you will gain more skills with that networking. It comes naturally. It's very low maintenance you don't have to really seek it out so much because you're exposed to it so yeah 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 definitely that's it's a combination of community and bartering i mean you have that you know you have that um in i am a miller yes (laughs) people if they're in a in a feudal system almost in in the back mm-hmm. in the day you had the miller the blacksmith the mm-hmm. you know the the people who did sort the weaver the on a lot of these mm-hmm. became last names they did their skill and they were a vital part of a thriving community for that time period because that time period was not preoccupied with television and electronics and they had to live yeah. and you need to make yourself I'm talking to everybody listening, not you. But yeah. we all need to make ourselves that vital entity for life for others around us, mm-hmm. not just ourselves. So I think that's a great a great move to take, you know, things in advance. What do you what do you feel like is going on? Um, I know we've been on this journey, my husband and I, our family, for 28 years. Yike. So 28 years ago, we were totally weird. We were complete oddballs, um, you know. We are in the 80s. What is that? That's the, that's the me generation of, oh, prolific, you know, everything is just going beautiful and let's spend lots of money. And we're, we're yes. out there trying to uh, – I remember my stepmom was like, are you okay? Why the heck would you want to learn to can? You're 22 years old. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, you know, she thought I was losing it. And then, of course, teaching our children how to find water. I never forget my my in-laws thought we had just, we were abusing them. But it was just, you know, we we lived like this for a long time. People thought we were weird. What do you feel like is going on in the preparedness realm during this time? What do you kind of pick up on? I think that, um, you know, well... My personal feeling is the media has both helped and hindered the preparedness world. Mm-hmm. You know, 100 years ago, it wasn't called preparedness. It was called living. <laughs> um, it was your day-to-day. You didn't go to the grocery store. Your grocery store was outside your back door. There right. was your produce section. Oh, your protein's over in the chicken coop. You know, um, mm-hmm. uh so, you know, the media, thank you, Doomsday Preppers, has given preppers a very bad name. We're all extremists and crazy survivalist people who, you know, you know how it is. So, yeah. at the same Drink time, though, Drink our own has, pee. Y- yes. <laughs> at the same time, though, it has gotten people to think. It's gotten people yeah. to question themselves. Even if it's just once, that's better than none at all. What would I do? You know, mm-hmm. how would I be, would I be okay? Um, and so 
I think that in the preparedness community, if I'm understanding your question, I think that the um, education has really ramped up. I think that there is actually some more acceptance now than there has been previously. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say that it does feel kind of frenzied out there, though. Yeah, and there's okay. that fear mongering, you know. But I mean, as a prepper, as just a human being, forget the preparedness. Just as a human being, trying to determine what's blowing in on the wind is not something we've ever been very proficient in. So, no. mm-hmm. you know, and it's easy to get people whipped up into a frenzy. I mean, September's for pre- you know preparedness month, and it seems like every September that's when everything's going to crash, you know. But <laughs> I also think that because we have absolute immediate information at our fingertips 24-7, that we are exposed to a lot more of the problems on a global scale, and that in turn whips people into a frenzy. Yeah, yeah. We, we kind of are um, instantly inundated. Mm-hmm. It, there's not any time for the dust to settle before um, the media or... Yeah, 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 or... Or media's announced it, and then oh, they've maybe they sensationalized it a little bit more than it could have been after everything mm-hmm. settled down, and so we're not just getting one account of it; we're getting the first, then the second, then the update, then the replay, <laughs> then the right. then the other spin, then the this. Whereas when we weren't so instantly connected, we waited until I guess it was well vetted on what the info was before it was released. Yes. Mm-hmm. And there's a good and a bad to that. I love the instance of immediately knowing if there's a mass problem. Right. But sometimes it's 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 overkill because you've heard it 18 times by the time the the whole truth has panned out. The media cries wolf often, and mm-hmm. the danger in that is that when it does happen on a scale where it really is going to be something that will affect a large number of people, a huge area the supply chain, the water, whatever, we're so desensitized to it, it's like watching it on a movie, and you're like, oh, yeah, well, that's okay, I'll just go to the store. Well, <laughs> an EMP went off, or a solar flare hit, or, you yeah. know, some moron hit, you know, <laughs> X instead of Y, and now it's going to take two weeks for these systems to come back up, and you can't get to your banking information. So, yeah. You know, yeah. yeah. I think that's that's my husband's always like, bring it on, let's go, let's do this. You know, he has <laughs> yeah, like a slight sick. <laughs> yeah, I want everyone's hand to be forced, but the problem is that he he knows as well as anybody that that some people's hands being forced is going to be a scary situation because oh, they're so not going to know what to do. You're going to have the ones that react because they're clueless, and the ones that stand there like deer in headlights. Uh-huh. that are going to be either the victim or they're going to panic so bad they're going to cause problems. Mm-hmm. So, you know, somewhere along the line, voices like yours, voices like ours, I'm just praying and hoping that they're heard and enough people are hearing, you know, the empowerment. You can do this. Just do something instead of nothing is better, you know, mm-hmm. and and be aware because... There are some things blowing around out there, and we don't have a clue how it's all going to pan out and land. We really don't. Yes. (laughs) Well, you know, when I began my preparedness journey, of course, I went online, and I did my researching and everything, and it was very difficult at the time. It was very difficult for me to find places like yours and mine, you know, where it was just good, solid information without (laughs) fear-mongering. Or, you know, I mean, I, I get questions often about, well, what kind of food should I grow? Well, I don't know. I'm not you. You know, right. like, how do I start? Well, you start with growing the food that you eat. Don't, and, and the same with preparedness. Don't buy something that you're not going to eat. That is, it doesn't matter how cheap it was. Don't do right. it. That's dumb. Right, right. You know, because food plays a much larger role in our happiness and survival than most people think. I mean, that one little, you haven't had chocolate in two weeks and you've been eating rice every day. <laughs> okay, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden a Tootsie Roll comes your way, 
your entire world just got brighter and you're happier. You just got a little taste of normal and it's a sugar rush and yay. So there is why some, buy something? Comfort food is real. I don't care what anybody says. That's real That's stuff right, right there. Yes, yes. <laughs> Absolutely. Yep, you're exactly right. Well, I think but that, you know, um, that I, I think that you have a good point. Um, seeking out the, the facts versus the reactionary work, you mm-hmm. know, Tell me exactly what to do. That's kind of a reactionary question. Um, It's just moving from one person telling you what to do to another one. And the whole whole journey is to be self-sufficient. I had had a coworker say, well, tell me what I need to do. And I said, okay, do you really, really want to know? I mean, they were friends, so I'm kind of messing with them too, but it's solid (laughs) truth. They're like, yes, I'm asking you. And I said, learn to think for yourself. And they just looked at me like, really? And I'm like, yes, really, that's it. Learn to think for yourself. I'm like, here are some guidelines. The bottom line is there is no one size fits all. The only way you could get a list broken down so far that it would be one size fits all is we all need food, we all need water, we all need to be warm, we all need shelter. There you go. How you get those things done is up to you. What fits best for you? What's the best way for you to keep warm? Right. Can you build a fire? Do you have a wood stove? Do you have a way to, you know, contain a warm source? You know, so that's where the thinking for yourself comes in. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I mean, what do I put in my bug out bag? Well, I don't know your situation. I live in in a temperate rainforest. I can't tell you what you should put into your bug out bag if you live in Arizona. Exactly. You see the same place I was. Yeah. The the antithesis of the temperate rainforest. If you live in the desert. Right. Yeah. 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 And it is is kind of funny. I I mean, I don't want to... Someone who's brand new, we are definitely not um, degrading that thought process because it's very normal for someone to go... To go, I just need someone to guide me. Tell me what to do. And the, the... Truth is, there are a lot of people out there that are willing to do it, but they're, unfortunately, you have to be very careful to make sure they're not willing to do it at your expense. Yes. And like, like Leanne is talking, I'll look for the facilitators versus the dictators. Um, and yes. Leanne, Leanne writes like a facilitator. That's what we want everyone that, that reads the magazine and all, all of the times I've done shows, every, almost every guest I've talked to is, look, it's not going to fit at my house the way it fits at your house but here are ideas and here is what we do it's being very vulnerable i think um you know i don't want anybody to get the wrong idea because when you first do this and you know you did it and then you had that little red flag that popped up and went oh wait i don't like the way this is coming you searched everywhere and when when something hit you wrong you you're you made that mental decision to go "Mm, not gonna go listening to that one because I don't like yes. how this makes me bristle up and feel, and I'm, I'm tense and scared now, and I'm not listening to well, this. And, you know, here's, here's the thing, though, too, that is, is so important, especially for people just starting out. It's okay to be afraid. It's oh, give yourself permission to be afraid. One of the things that I personally did to kind of work through that fear, I started reading, this is before I wrote my book, but I started reading disaster novels, you know, One Second After and Lucifer's Hammer and stuff. And, you know, those older kind of books, mm-hmm. um, there's, there's a lot more out now. But I read those kind of books um, to put myself, you know, in that situation, let myself feel the fear. I would stop reading at a critical point and be like, okay, if this situation happened where I live right now, what kind of stuff would I do? What would I need to be able to make it through? Where would I go, et cetera, et cetera? Allow yourself to feel the fear. Wallow in it. Let yourself get panicked. You're just reading a story. Once you've calmed yourself down, First of all, congratulations, you calmed yourself down. Now you're logical, now you can think, now you can survive. And then you make your steps. And then you turn around after that, this is the key, you have to go and practice those steps. Go put those, those plans into place so that if something did happen that's reasonable and logical for your area, that you can just hit the little button and everything that you set up falls into place and, hey, you're good. You know, being prepared mm-hmm. is what makes survival feel like camping. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, very good yeah. point. 
Very good point. I love that. I love the steps. I think those are really. I, I'm. If I could sit still long enough to read, I would. But <laughs> I can't. Good lord! I must have. I must be ADHD. I'm not sure. But I'm constantly in motion. My husband will go. Will you please just sit? If I sit, I'm asleep. That's really pretty much it. Um, so I'm going from 4 a.m. till 10 and p.m. I'm just like boom. Um, but I would agree with that because we do tend to, I tend to kind of track along that lines of, okay, map out a scenario, go in that fictional, okay, if it were in our area. I think that's, that's wisdom because when you know it's fiction, you ha- you've got that little pocket you can put it into, but then your, your rational brain, after calming down, can put it into, in reality, how would I do this? So you've mapped out your little strategy, and you can put it into some practice. So I think that's really that's really a good way to handle it. I, I appreciate that. That's good. That's yeah. wonderful. Well, our time is done, unfortunately. See, it's amazing how fast it can go. It does go so fast. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, it seems like a long show, but no, not really, because we do tend to. I tend to go on bunny trails. I'm sorry, but it it gives everybody such a better picture of who you are, and I've appreciated you being very vulnerable and open and and just sharing, you know, from from things you've run into to plans that you have and things that you feel are coming down the pike, and I'm I'm just delighted to get to spend some time with you. For those who don't know, I think Leanne and I probably only talked like two other times. This is we're getting to know each other right yes. here. You guys too. So um it's it's been a joy and I've enjoyed it very much and I hope everybody will connect with you if you're on the show page. I've got all of Leanne's info and all of her links are below. So you can just ta da, there they are, just click. And um <laughs> it makes it nice and easy. But if you're listening on iTunes or Stitcher or um the cloud or wherever else we are. We're out there everywhere. Um, let me give you a verbal. Go to homesteaddreamer.com and then in Facebook, type in Homestead Dreamer. And those are probably your two easiest ones if you're going to be going from memory to connect with Leanne. And then you can find her on Pinterest as well. But um, is there anything you'd like to leave with everybody before we take off? You know, yes, there is. Okay. Don't hold yourself back. Just do it. Awesome. Give yourself that gift. It's wonderful. Well, I appreciate you spending the afternoon with me and uh, everyone listening. Please connect with Leanne, and um, I'm sure you will earn a a good friend and a wealth of information. And I love how she's encouraged everybody and all of her articles and everything we've talked about today. Um, I feel very comfortable asking you to connect with her. For now, this is Donna Miller. We're going to sign off. And just remember, keep growing and enjoy the journey. God bless. Bye-bye. This has been another episode of your preparation station with Donna Miller. We would love to hear from you. Please connect with us at yourpreparationstation.com and on Facebook. Tune in again next time for another encouraging episode. Until then, keep growing and finding joy in the journey. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.